Welcome to the Anglers Channel Insider Podcast, presented by Sportsman's Warehouse, your fishing and outdoor store. And here are your hosts, AC Insiders, Danny Blanford and Vance McCullough. Welcome, welcome everyone to this week's edition of the Anglers Channel AC Insider Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Blanford. With me is co-host Vance McCullough, and we wouldn't be here today without our friends at Sportsman's Warehouse, Ranger Boats, Mercury Marine, and Rely on Lithium Battery. We are wrapping it up for the year, folks. We got our final episode before the new year. I'm tucked away in the hills of Indiana watching it snow, and, and Vance is down in sunny Florida making fun of me. Vance, how goes it, my man? Yes, yeah, uh, sunny, but it's a little cool, man. It's, I don't know if it's in the 50s down here, Danny. It's cold, man. I talked to Dad over the weekend. He's down there at the Big O, and he said that they, they stayed in. It, a lot of rain, a lot of wind, and, and nasty. So It would have would have been a hurricane if we'd had it two months ago. It was a big low pressure that covered the whole state, low pressure system, and the winds got up pretty good. We do have minor flooding going on here. But if, if it had happened in September when the uh, Gulf was warmer, that would have been what we just experienced for a couple of days. Would have would have been a hurricane for sure. It's an mm-hmm. intense low pressure system. Yes. Yeah. No, it's ripping through here now. That's uh, Thursday and Friday of last week. I was able to get out on the river and fish. Man, it was sunny, sixty, beautiful weather. Um, that same pressure that ripped through Florida is now heading up the east coast, and it's dumping snow over on me and and working its way up. So, at the end of the day, it's you know, we're heading into the end of December. You got, you're going to have to have it sooner or later. I felt blessed to be out fishing on Thursday and Friday. And, you know, I had some base layer long underwear on, but for the most part, I would, wasn't even bundled up, you know, and, and that, that was a rare treat for December. Uh, yeah. I had to do a little filming and fishing for an upcoming project and spent two days out on the mighty Ohio and yeah, still the mighty Ohio, but we did catch a yeah. few, you know, uh, water temperature for us was in the forties and Ooh. yeah right 40s yeah. 40s wow 40s uh start the morning at about 44 mid-afternoon we'd get up to about 46 and then uh sudden get a little lower to just start going the other way you know but yeah our, our midday warmth bump got to 45 and oh, man. So, so that was tough i mean it was an opportunity I, normally i wouldn't be out fishing this time of year but it was an opportunity where uh, it was one of those deals hey there's an opportunity to promote some stuff if you can get some content and uh hell i'll give it a try i haven't been out fishing in december in a while you know normally the the early winter stuff here is really good um from 50 degree you know as you cool from 70 to 50 there's some phenomenal fishing here once you get below 50 they start kind of acclimating to the winter habits and it gets a little bit tougher but we were able to catch a few on uh on some steep bluff banks along the main river we caught a few made a little tv and so all all is good. good. I was lucky to get out and do it, you know. So what about you? you I can't wait to fishing? see that. Yeah. You've been out doing any fishing? Yeah, yeah. Was, it's the same uh, you know, the other day I I dragged a kayak out to some uh couple of my little favorite ponds out in the woods. And we like December because the snakes get dormant and go hide somewhere and I don't have to worry about it. Last time I went to this pond, I stepped right over a cottonmouth. I was you know, you get a head of steam going dragging that kayak through the woods, right? And you just right. You see one, you just got to jump over him and keep going. The worst thing you can do is stop. <laughs> so I didn't have to worry about that the other day. It was nice. Our water temp was probably in the low 60s, and they were chewing good. And I took that opportunity to have a little fun uh, and do some micro bagging. You know, the little uh, interview mm-hmm. we had with Drew Gregory the other day with the Kayak Adventure Series. 
coming up. They're going to have a prize pot for the smallest uh, bag of, of uh, you know, five-fifths limit, right? So kind of got my, my brain working. And, you know, even down here, you think Florida's the land of the Giants and all, but I've got – there's a – Ponds I like to fish where the water sheds off to Georgia, not the St. John's River, and it's a lot of small to medium-sized bass. And I just had a lot of fun with some downsized gear and, uh, you know, doing a little micro-bagging and, uh, as I say, kind of practicing for that. And uh, I enjoyed myself, you know. The fish, they were eating good, caught nothing big, but just, like I say, get out and enjoy the weather while it's good. And uh, down here when it gets cool, it starts to get good. And I'd say from here till May – Man, uh, y'all come on down to visit us and spend some time and fish with us. And it ain't all about catching big fish. You can, you can catch numbers down here this time of year. And it's just a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Spinning gear. Go spinning gear and light line and, you know, little Cinco's. And hey, you'll have a blast. <laughs> micro bag. And that's what I should have said I was doing Thursday and Friday. I was out working on a micro bag because I did a great job at micro bagging. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's what I need to do. I need to start changing when I set out. I'm just going out looking for littles, and then I'll never be disappointed. I tell you what, though, well, we've got a we got a guest today that I've been trying to connect with for a little while. Man has absolutely crushed it in the fishing space over the past couple of years, and uh, we're going to be coming back here in just a minute with Patrick Walters. Patrick has the century belt for largemouth and the century belt for smallmouth, Vance, and I think that is super cool. I would love. Uh, if I had those hanging on my wall, I'd have to walk by and smile every day. How diverse is that? You know what I mean? You go two different directions there and doing a century belt for smallmouth. Nobody would have thought that was a thing a couple of years ago, and they've done it back-to-back -back years up there. Yep. Yeah, you know, the, there's definitely problems with that goby, but if there's one thing it's done, it's made for better smallmouth fishing for us, you know, in that regard. So, what well, slippery slope with invasives won't go down that one, but we're, we're going to take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll have Patrick Walters. We're going to talk about uh, the century belts. We're going to talk about him doing the two tour thing and doing two tours quite well, I might add, Vance. You know, yep. uh, fishing two tours and getting a third AOI for the Bassmaster Elite Series and a fourth NPFL AOI, and he missed one. Here's, here's the thing about the NPFL. Yes, he fished five of the six, missed that one, and in those five events, his worst finish was sixth place, and he had two wins. Two wins, and his worst finish was sixth in five events. So that's yeah. He needs he needs to keep fishing that trail because he's he's knocking the lights out over there. Yeah, no, I looked uh, two hundred and over two hundred k in side money. And <laughs> so I want to talk to him. You know, I'm looking forward to it. I think what he's done's been nothing short of you know impressive and so let's take a quick break get a couple words from our sponsors and when we come back we'll be joined by mr patrick walters stay tuned sportsman's warehouse is your one-stop convenient place to shop whether you're into camping hunting or fishing our expert associates can help you find the gear you need we carry a huge assortment of quality equipment from the best manufacturers in the country and around the world we have guns ammo rods lures not to mention every kind of outdoor clothing for the whole family. You can shop in one of our fully stocked stores or visit us online at sportsmans.com. Visit Sportsman's Warehouse, shop one of over 130 locations nationwide and growing. 
Since 1968, One Boat Company has stood as the gold standard for quality, performance, innovation, safety, and resale value. Ranger Boats. Ranger's passion for perfection is evident in every boat that leaves our facilities, whether it's bound for lakes and rivers for fishing and fun, or targeting trophy tuna and blue water. Ceaseless innovation results in top-tier boats that have made Ranger the go-to for tournament anglers and weekenders alike. And the new Z521R and Z520R redefine what a premium bass boat can be. Ranger, still building legends, one at a time. This segment is brought to you by Ranger Boats, still building legends one at a time. Welcome back. Joining us this week is a man we've been trying to track down for a little while this year because well, he's been winning. He's been winning on the Elite Series. He's been winning on the NPFL. And joining us to close out the year, Mr. Patrick Walters. Patrick, welcome to the show, man. Congratulations on a fantastic season. Man, thank y'all a bunch. Thank y'all for having me. It uh, it's been a great year. Yeah, no complaints whatsoever, and uh, happy to be here. Um, I actually haven't done that many podcasts this year, surprisingly. So uh, it feels good to wrap up the year with you guys. Kind of get a little fish talking in. I think you've been too busy fishing to get on the horn with anybody, man. Tell us about it a little bit. Yeah, well, to tell you the truth, my last tournament was at Lanier. Um, let me see what the date of that was. That was October 22nd to the 28th, and that was the last time I have touched a rod and reel. I have not touched one since then, and for a month prior to that, I didn't touch a rod. Uh, I've been doing nothing but hunting. Been in the deer woods mostly all fall. Um, sometimes you got to take a break. It's uh, You fish so much. You know, I'm fishing two tours, the Bassmaster Elite Series and the MPFL, and uh, it was a good year, so it was just kind of – it's funny. The, I still have the same boat. It's backed in the garage right now. And the rods that I caught them on Lanier are still on the deck strapped down. I have not touched it. I backed it in the garage, <laughs> opened the hatches up to make sure everything could breathe. Rods are still laying right here. Still have the baits on. <laughs> that was one of the things when I was getting ready to do this. I thought, man, keeping that kind of schedule, I'm wondering if a guy does take time off or if, that, if you've got to just stay in the, the kind of the groove to, to do that much. But you answered that. You flat shut down huh, and chase deer. So does shut that mean you, you got a good deer yet this year? Uh, I killed three bucks at home, three decent ones, um, killed a couple does. I got to go manage some does at a property this afternoon. That's that's the goal. Ah. But I actually went to Illinois for 18 days, and oh, wow. uh, I did not get one. I shot one. I got them too much into meat, I think. It was um, – that's hunting now. But it uh, is. Yeah, my wife was ready for me to kind of get back to the house. After 18 days <laughs> traveling, she was like, all right, that's just – that's not for work. That's for pleasure. It's time to get back. I was going to say, she must have the patience of a saint to, because uh, you were, how many days do you think you were gone this year doing the two-tour thing? Gosh, uh, I couldn't even put a number on it. I mean, 100, it's, 100 it's plus probably easy. 100, 150 plus probably. Because, I mean, oh. you got to think about it. It's a, a week-long tournament, and then it's two days on both ends of traveling. Mm -hmm. um, it's a it's a lot of traveling. It's a lot of time away from home, but, I mean, I enjoy traveling. I like it. Um, I like being on the road. Um, you kind of got to if you're going to travel that much. Um, I don't like being away from home, you know, but it makes you come home that much quicker. But um, no, she is a saint because she puts up with me. So that says a lot. <laughs> well, you know, I was doing my research for this kind of looking back. Um, I noticed one thing that jumped out at me and one thing I wanted to talk to you earlier in the year about is I think you're one of the only anglers to capture a century belt with largemouth and smallmouth, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's pretty rare. How important was that first event, that first century belt down at Fork? Because that was kind of closing out the season prior, right? And then yes, you, you roll into this year, man, and it seemed like you were on a streak. Was that, was that Fork event real important in the mentality this year? It was. Well, that Fork event was actually in 2020. 
uh, okay. that first oh, one I, I got. So it was a couple of years ago. That was my first win I ever got to. That was when like the forward facing sonar kind of thing blew mm-hmm. up. Um, that's when we caught them in the fall that one year uh, because that was right after COVID. And so that's why they had pushed the season back to the fall. That's why we were in Texas in the fall, which is not normally, uh, wow. which I liked at that time of year because it was just completely different. But, um, you know, when you grow up, you know, you always watch the Bassmasters, you watch the TV shows and you'd watch those old shows like Amistad and all that stuff. And you'd see them in Clear Lake and you'd see them bust 100 pounds. You're like, that's not even fathomable. Like, how do you catch 25 pounds a day, four days in a row? Because once you actually start, you do that, you're like, oh, OK, yeah, you catch 100 pounds. But if you actually tournament fish, you're like, dude, 25 pounds, four days in a row in a tournament is just it doesn't seem reachable and then you just get truly blessed and the stars have to align the fish bite. You get on the right pattern. And I'm not gonna say it's easier than it looks, but it's like when it's your time, it's your time. Like it's just, everything kind of just flows together and you catch them. Um, because when you go to fork, if you catch, you catch 10 fish, you got a good chance of catching 25 pounds, but right. to do that this year on smallmouth was unbelievable. I mean, I, I didn't think we'd ever catch a hundred pounds of smallmouth. And when they did it last year, I was like, wow, that's, that'll probably never happen again. And then mm-hmm. we did it this year. It's just, it just shows you how phenomenal those fisheries are, how much better they're getting, how much better the anglers are getting technology, all that. It's, it's crazy. And to be the first one to do it in both, both species is, I'm pretty happy about that. Hey man, I'm really going to be impressed when you do it with spotted bass. God, spots <laughs> are going to be, whoo. I mean, I don't think anywhere in the Southeast can really do it. I mean, Lanier's got them. You could catch 25 in a day, but right? man, four days in a row, it's just, there's too much pressure there. There's too much, you know, out, outer pressure of fishing wise and stuff. Um, we'd have to go somewhere out West and I don't even know if we could do it out there. 20, yeah. I say that, but we also have that about smallmouth. So <laughs> yeah, they could be, be out done. there. You could be the guy to do it. You know, you hit on technology and the importance of technology advance. You had some questions along those lines and, and I'm anxious to hear Patrick's answers. Let's pick his brain a little bit on those electronics. Where do you want to start? Yeah, I know um, shortly after Shaw Grigby and I had talked about this forward-facing sonar and how great it was going to be and it was going to revolutionize stuff, and I see Patrick get on there back in the fall of 2020 and do what he did. And following that tournament live, it just blew my mind. Uh, you know, the power of, of being able to basically sight fish all the time. But I've come to understand, and I don't have the technology myself, so so kind of school me up a little here, Patrick, get me a – Make sure I'm, I'm on the right track here. I understand that the results you get when you look at your screen, the clarity and all of that stuff, uh, target separation stuff, might have something to do with how you're powering your setup. Is that true? And you you run multiple brands. Um, what what should a guy look for in terms of, of you know batteries you know to power those electronics? You know, that's a very detailed question because there's a lot of ways I go into the whole process. You know, first of all, you got to start from the ground, the ground up, and that's having good batteries. You know, I run impulse lithium batteries and I run two group 31 batteries in parallel. Um, They're 105 amp hours. So I put two batteries in parallel because I'm running five graphs total, you know, two at the console and three at the bow. So, you know, you got to have you got to have enough power that's going to last you. You know, you don't want it to dwindle at 12 o'clock and you'd be, you be out of juice. So having the start, you know, start from the ground, you got to have good batteries. So I'm running two batteries in parallel. Um, and no matter what brand you're going to use, you know, find a good battery that you got confidence in. I run impulse lithium. It's what I like. I also run it on my trolling motor side. But going from there, and then the another main thing is having Sonar Pros, the designated harness, having that wired straight to each graph. Each graph's got its own 
designated power where it's it's dedicated to that graph straight to the battery and that way you're not you know like back in the day when boats were run you'd have one one little gauge wire running all the way to the bow and you'd pull two two graphs off that little wire and that's just that's where you'd get voltage drop and you just wouldn't get that clear image so having dedicated power to each graph gives you that crystal clear image but then also you know being able to dictate what the fish are doing you got to be able to read the graph itself and Shaw Grigsby is a perfect example. Shaw will tell you he is a great bed fisherman, probably not because of his eyes, because he has he's better at finding them than everybody. He's better at reading their their personality, at, at gauging how interested they are, how do those fish react. Listen, we all can find bed fish. I mean, we can't. I mean, some people can't see him as good as others. That is true. Um, right. But like Drew Cook, I mean, he's 5'2". I'm just kidding. He's not 5'2". He'd give me a hard time if I said that. I mean, he's he's shorter than I am, and he can flat out see him. But what's good with him and Shaw Grigsby is they, they bed fish enough, they can read their reactions. They can tell what's it going to take to make this female bite. Should he catch the buck? Should he not catch the buck? If he catches it, is he going to throw it back? Should he shake the bait? Should he drag the bait? You know, it, there's so many different processes in that. And what that relates to is the same with, forward facing sonar you got to be able to see those fish and be able to tell how they're acting um what kind of bait are they gonna eat are they on the bottom are they on the surface so it all starts from you know from your batteries to having dedicated power to your graph so you're getting the crystal clear image that you can get but also being able to read that image itself you mentioned harnesses is and i've been hearing a lot about the different harnesses for the electronics for those that don't know, if they would, if somebody gets with Sonar Pros, for example, and says, "Hey, I want to get a power harness," for can you tell them like the number of drafts, what you're doing, and then that's built out and it comes to you as basically finished goods? Is that is that a fair way to say it? So that you're just connecting um, at that point. Basically, yeah, you can get, you can buy harnesses straight from Trent at Sonar Pros, and you can tell them like, hey, I have two hummingbirds and one Garmin, and he will mm. he can connect the plugs to them, basically, where it's all, basically, it's just plug and play. Um, gotcha. You can buy them straight harnesses, or you can buy it where it's plug and play, and it's got the exact plugs that you need for your graph. So it makes it very simple. And you talked about running all brands. Talk to us a little bit about that, because we've had a few different guys do that, and, and I'm kind of curious if, if you see the same strengths in each brand that some of our other guests have seen. Uh, you do Garmin, Hummingbird, and Lawrence all on your boat? Yes, sir. Um, and what which roles do they play for you? You know, I, I used to run one brand, and everybody loved that. Everybody like likes to keep everything symmetric and matching. Mm -hmm. And I used, we all did that for years. But, you know, I mean, I did it for the first two years that I fished on the Elite Series. Um, and no negative, you know, comments about any brands. I love mm -hmm. all the brands. That's why I run all three of them. But to me, each brand has its own personal strength. One one graph can do something better than the other graph where it ha might have a little bit of weaker spot. So um, I would always run three. I haven't seen one brand truly step out above the rest yet. But, you know, I run Garmin for forward-facing sonar. That's that's yeah. the one I like. I think you can tweak it the most. I like the image the best. Um, it's what I've come to, to look. So uh, there's one Garmin on my boat. It's at the bow and all it does is shoot forward facing sonar. When it turns on, it knows its job. Mm -hmm. right. And I don't want any graphs, nothing else plugged into it. You know, it's dedicated to, it's not getting confused. It's not plugged into six, six other graphs and it's getting bogged down. It's, it turns on. That's all it does is shoot sonar. Um, so Garmin for forward facing sonar and at the, we'll start at the, the, the bow. I have the Garmin at the top. I run a triple mount. Um, then I run a hummingbird. It's going to be either a 
it's usually helix a 12 or a 15 i've ran a 15 for the last two or three years so i really like the 15 but uh the hummingbird is just for 360 for mega 360 and lake masters map i like the 15 because then i can split the screen a little bit and have a sliver of map and still have a huge image of 360 i love 360 a lot of people like the perspective in live kind of you know 360 but i like the the past data um 360 is your situational awareness it's what's around you what's going on where's the brush at where's the rock at and then i'll use the forward-facing sonar to to then pick that piece of cover apart um and so i mean 360 is a big role i think in in live sonar today i love that stuff and then my lawrence at the bow it's 2d sonar mapping i got my point one and ten on there it's got all my waypoints the lawrence Every waypoint I got's on my Lowrance, basically. I don't mark any waypoints on the Hummingbird or the Garmin whatsoever. Everything goes on the Lowrance. It's got the best waypoint management, in my opinion. You know, I can export by region. Um, and the I like the mapping a lot of times too. I like CMAP and Navionics and Lake Masters. You know, you got to have your eye see different things at different times sometimes. So that's why I like to have two different maps always going because you'll just see different things. You know, sometimes you'll see secondary points better on one map. Sometimes you'll see ditches better on another one. So it's just, when you got both of them going, you'd really don't, you, you don't miss as much as you think you would. And then at the bow, I'm running uh, a Lowrance 12 and a Helix 12. And I like the Hummingbird for side scan and Lake Masters map. And then also for the Lowrance, it's my waypoints. I like the Lowrance down imaging better as well. I'm not a big fan of Hummingbird DI for some reason. It just distorts the image a little bit and kind of like streaks it um, where it's more longer. I feel like where the Lowrance is more there. It actually circles them a little better on DI. Like if you're on TVA and you're graphing big schools, you can get a more gauge of the actual size of the fish, like in brush and stuff like that. So that's why I like the Lowrance for that. But Lowrance is definitely making a step up in um, their side skin as well. So there's, there's a lot to it. It's always ever changing. I mean, it's, but the past three years, that's been my setup. You know, it, that's consistent with, several guys that we've talked to the guys that run multiple brands that's a the, the way you're doing it is consistent as far as what i've heard others say about the importance of the 360 and i think you said it best situational awareness where you're getting <clears throat> that perspective around the boat and you know that i heard positive things there and that's all consistent with what i thought i mean prior to this revolution of the forward-facing stuff was 2d sonar and all that a pretty big part of your game or were you more of a seat of your pants gut kind of fisherman um i would use 2d i mean but i mean you i still use 2d today i mean two right. I, I use a ton of 2d for smallmouth i love that's my favorite way to catch smallmouth as crazy as that sounds is uh is on 2d because if i see him on 2d he's he's done like i'm going to catch that fish <laughs> on live scope it's 50 50 probably but if i get him under the boat and he's that curious i'm gonna catch him um, right. it's just, and who doesn't love catch a small mouth underneath the boat? I mean, it's just like straight up, just, but, um, I still use 2d a lot to look at bottom composition a lot too. Like if I'm in grass, I'll look for more bottom hardness. That's what I'm using 2d for. Um, and I use a lot, I do use 2d more now running than I do fishing probably. Like I'm okay, always running, sense. I'm looking for bait. I'm looking for a spike, looking for something different, looking for grass. That's when I'm using 2d the most. So 2d still has a role. Um, it's just because, you know, you're not using any kind of live sonar at speed. So it's, that's when I use my 2D a lot. Um, but no, I've always been kind of fly by the seat of your pants. It's like, I want to be able to see my bait kind of move around. And that's why I've always grown up being a shallow water fisherman. And I think that's what's helped me with forward-facing sonar today is, um, like I said, 360 is situational awareness. And 
that's where, you know, when you were fishing shallow growing up, you could see the stump and stuff. You could see the tree you were coming up on. Cause I grew up on Santee Cooper, shallow, you know, stump right. body of water. And then the live scope, the forward phase of sonar is your bait awareness. It's exactly what is my bait doing? So I have those two things that I can take out deep, you know, cause you throw that spinner bait by that stump and you could roll it and you could, you know, turn the handle real quick and you see the blades just, you know, flush and you're like, you're watching your bait the whole time. So it's, it's more intimate. Like you're just in tune with your cast all the way through. Or when you skip a Senko under an overhanging tree and you just, and you watch them come up and eat it, you could take that same effect out deep now. And that's why I use it because it's like, I have my situation awareness. I know where the piles at the rocks at the stump, any of that stuff. And now I can watch my bait the entire time. You know, back in the day, you just a whole Carolina rig out there. And then you'd look around, you'd look at your partner in the back of the boat. You'd be talking around, you'd be looking at birds flying by and yeah. you're just not paying attention. And it's just, that, that kills me. I'm just, I'm too ADD for that. It's like, I gotta be in the zone during a cast. And so it's just the sonar and the technology helps you stay more in tune. You're paying more attention to it and so that's why that's why i like it now that it's a great just the way you answer it tells us the the depth of you know how important it is in that in that regard and and to your point you know i guess i've been fishing longer not anywhere at the level of what you do but you know we used to the carolina rig was a great way to figure out bottom composition right because your 2d sonar may, may not have had it so it's like ooh, this feels crunchy i might be able to catch one here yep. so having having started there and fished through you know, that section to, to where we are today, it's been kind of mind blowing to the casual angler. And obviously it's, it's everywhere. We're, we've seen a couple of benefit tournaments and things announced recently where they're not going to let it play. And I mean, I'm guessing you're a guy, if, if there's no forward facing sonar, you're probably not interested in competing in that particular thing then, right? If they took it away from you, would you be lost? No, I'm about it. I oh, mean, that's how right? I grew up fishing. I might sign up to tell you the truth. Oh, okay. I mean, like, why not? I fish for a living. I don't do anything else. Um, I don't have another job. I make my living literally by cashing checks. So if there's another tour out there, I don't care. I use whatever tools that are available that help you in advance in your career path. And if they take it away and they're still, that's the career path, you know, I'll do it. I mean, I'm not, I'm not addicted to it. I love it. I use it because it's a tool. If you're not using it, you're going to get left, but I'm all about it. I mean, if there's money to be made fishing, I don't care what it is. I don't care if we have to go no trolling motor and we got a paddle. I mean, <laughs> I, I do want to be it. able to have a big motor, though, because when I'm ready to go home and the old lady calls and says dinner's ready, I want to crack the motor up and head to the house, you know? Fancy so Patrick, Danny, th th that's, th this leads to a pretty good point here. So a lot of people look at, you know, the technology is something that's ruining the sport. It's changing. It's making it where these, these any idiot can catch a fish, and it, it takes all the skill out of it. You speak of it, Patrick, more as an education. Speak of it as making you more situationally aware, mm -hmm. drawing that mental image of what's going on around you. You can you can actually see it on the screen. What skills have you developed uh, through the use of electronics that, if they take that away from you, you'll carry with you the rest of your life? How, how has it helped own your mm, other skills question. as an angler? If you don't, you know, the grid goes black tomorrow, and we don't have the yep. electronics. What, what what lessons will you take with you from having used uh, forward facing sonar and the rest? That's of a that's a good question. I like that <laughs> question a lot. That's <laughs> I didn't do dance. <laughs> to, to tell you the truth, the things that I've taught more is that there's fish on every single spot that you've ever fished. Always there Great is. Point. You always pull up back in the day, but man, they ain't here. We'll show up later, mm, maybe. I agree. No, no, they were there. They're just not biting. Yeah. And I compare fish to women. I like giving comparisons. Of listen, I'm going to try to keep it. I'm going to try to keep it as PG as possible. But listen, uh, if your woman's not in the mood, I don't care what you do or what you say. It ain't happening. 
it's <laughs> not happening. And so it's the same uh, way with fish. They just they get in moods, and it's like they're not. It's not a feeding time. And so learning that with with forward facing sonar stuff, you can pull up and you're like, oh man, they're not gonna bite. Like you throw ten different baits at it, and now. You know, back in the day, we'd, we'd, we'd stay for an hour, and we'd drive to Carolina Rig. We'd try every bait we got, and then we'd we'd wait on them to bite. But now it's like we pull up, we'll make five, ten casts, like, oh, they're not going to bite. I'll leave, and I'll come back at a different time of the day. And when the wind starts blowing, we get different, more sun or something, you know, different conditions, and you pull up, and it's like every cast. And you're like, oh, they just showed up. No, they've been there the whole time. So learning. They, just needed, the, some, they needed a little Barry Manilow in the background, didn't they? A little, 100%. A little <laughs> exactly. So it's like learning that, it's like, Still kind of, you got to run and gun. You got to move and you got to know that they're there. It's just, they're not ready to bite yet. So just come back in a little bit, you know, come back when they're in a better mood, you know, I mean, you might have to do the dishes or something. You might have to put her in a a good mood. So it's like, it's just little things like that. That's my biggest thing I take away is that they're usually always there. It's just to stay positive, hit as many spots as you can and come back to them. That, that probably the biggest takeaway. Um, And to not always cast it directly the, the one piece of cover, I think, um, to, to, you know, when you pull up to a dock or something, they're usually not on the post you see or something or on the brush pile. It's, you know, a lot of those fish are out in no man's land. Um, mm-hmm. those are hard fish to catch, but you, there's certain baits that can still trigger them. I mean, like, I think now what we're catching with forward facing sonar is the fish that we were catching 10 years ago when a rig came out and it was mind blowing, but you just throw an a rig down the bank and you just randomly get bit. Now we're catching those fish on forward facing sonar on different types of baits. And so it's like, I mean, if they, there's just different baits to catch them and it's just, they're not always where you think. So it's like, you still got to make a lot of cast, but just covering a lot of water. You know, you hard question to answer. That was a good question to answer, and it's it's fun to think about. You know, I mean, it's a skill set that stays with you whether the graph's on or not, and I think that was a 100%. great point, Vance. In terms of, you know, you made the comment, I fish for a living, and I, if it's available, I'll fish it. Talk a little bit about the two-trail thing. And and the reason I asked was, were you able to fish all of the MPFLs, or did you have to miss one due to overlap? Uh, I missed one this year. I've actually fished this – this was my second year fishing the MPFL – and I've fished, I've missed one each year so far. You know, I've only fished five of the six. Um, and this year I missed it. I missed the Wright Patman tournament. It was in April because we were at Lake Murray for the Elite Series event. You know, the Elite Series is my, that's, that's where all my eggs are. You know, that's, that's the, my, that's the best tournament. Bassmaster Elite Series, it's the upper echelon of, it's just where everything's at. Bassmaster Classic, the AOI, all that stuff. So that's where I put all my eggs. Um. And that's the tour I love fishing. And I love fishing the MPFL as well. You know, I fish the MPFL because it helps fill my schedule. I used to fish the Opens a bunch um, with the Elite Series because I feel like you got to stay sharp. You know, during fishing season, I'm fishing. Um, During not fishing season, I'm probably not fishing that much. But uh, I just feel like you got to travel and fish as much as possible, stay in tune um, with the fish. And so that's why I fish the MPFL because it's it's a great organization, great group of people over there, um, and they go to good bodies of water. And I like how their schedule sets up also in the rules because it's no information, there's an off limits, and there's three days of practice. So instead of it being like the opens where they used to be just, you know, 200 people, and then you people could get information, all that stuff, it's the, the MPFL, it's the level playing field. And that's what mm-hmm. I like, you know, because – I'm not looking at that body of water until I show up there where and it just makes it fair for everybody. Um, and this year I'm actually going to be fishing the MPFL and the Bassmaster Elite Series as well. And there's, they made it where there's no confliction. So I'll be able to fish both, both tours completely. 
Hopefully, well, though, because uh, my wife's actually pregnant right now, and the baby's due February 10th. And uh, the, the first MPFL is February 1st through the 3rd, which is a week ahead of time. And then a week after the baby's due, I got to head to Texas for five weeks for travel. Yeah. yeah so it's going to be going to be close. Dude, you'll be dead. If you get that new baby bump thing on top of the momentum you've got, dude, you'll be unconscious out there on the water just catching. That'd be, that'd be <laughs> I awesome think that's what that. happened. I think that's what happened this year. It was, uh, once that happened, it was <laughs> off to the races. Well, for folks that don't know, you know, the reason I brought up the two tour thing is because I was looking, man, in your angler of the year stats on both sides for, for an angler to split their mind and their time between two trails and then be fourth on AOI for the MPFL. And missed event, Vance. <laughs> Sandbagged on one, still got fourth. And then third place, Elite Series AOI. Um, that, to me, says a lot, man. And congratulations to you on that, to be able to split your mind and the different formats, the different competitors, and, and man, your schedule. I was looking at the calendar on your on your website, which I think your website's pretty badass, by the way. If people haven't Thank seen you. it, ch check it out. And you keep good content in there. I like some of your blog posts. Are you doing your writing, or do you have somebody do some writing for you? Uh, I don't remember when the blog posts have been done, to tell you the truth. <laughs> so it's, it's my, uh, my wife and... Uh, her brother helped me a lot creating the website and my wife's the one who keeps it updated. So okay. um, I haven't been on there in a minute. So I had to go check no, out I, the blog post. <laughs> no, it was good. It was some good, there was some good stuff there, you know? And, and when we do these podcasts, sometimes, you know, I'm a geek, I'm a fan of the sport, but I kind of got to go and look and see what people have going on. What are they proud of? What do they got going? And I thought your website did a good job of showcasing that. And I think that the schedule and the results is what's so impressive, Vance. If you look, man, it just starts out and they just yeah. bam, 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 all the way through. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about Texas in Feb uh, Texas in February? I'm excited about it. Who doesn't love pre-spawn giants? I also like how it's a different time of year. I don't like the same redundancies. Um, I just you just need something different. I mean, you don't want the same. You don't want a thousand fastballs. I mean, some people might, but it's like I want to see something different. I mean, that's what we do. It's a puzzle. Fishing's a puzzle. Life's a puzzle. It's like I want to get there and it just be something different and. Uh, Fork and, and Toledo been pre-spawn. I'm excited about Fork because, I mean, God, they bought a jerk bait. Why would they not buy a jerk bait pre-spawn? You know, it's just, right. uh, yeah. that, and I mean, ripping a lipless, a big worm, big jig. I mean, God, I mean, just, could you imagine just like eight pounders on a jig pre-spawn? Mm -mm. No, that's very uh, foreign to me. Vance might be yeah. able to. I, I, can't I mean, that would be all about it. I mean, just, just, and you just hit it and it's just like yeah. Whoa, 25 pound line too. Like not, not 12, like hammering them. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I'm about it. Well, I'm about it. Hit him and hit back. Yes, your <laughs> well, Your Vance was out there and did some stuff with Angler's Channel earlier this year, and and I think the timing was off a little bit for when they were there. But that one caught yeah. my attention. And, and then Vance, you talked with some of the guys about Florida in April. Uh, what do you think about that? You talking about changing the pace, Patrick? What do you think about going that, down there? That definitely is going to change it, which is going to be good, you know, because there's going to be some on the bed, but it's not going to be hard score, hardcore spawn. Hard, you know, it's not going to be going down there. And, and that's what kills me is like when it's always one or the other, like you, you get you get it in your mind that that's what it's going to be. You know, it's like, God, I can't miss that wave. Like if I miss that wave, you're just getting left. And so I don't like thinking like that. I like being able to know it's like it's just going to be a fishing tournament. It's mm -hmm. not going to be a spawn tournament or it's not going to be a deep drill a tournament, stuff like that. Um and so, like, looking at St. John's, I love St. John's River. It's completely different. And that is a fishing body of water. You're not going to do the same thing four days in a row. Promise you. It's just 
that's just how that place is. Mm-hmm. Unless you're bed fishing, um, there will be some fish on the bed. They're going to be shallow that time of year. Mostly the shell beds probably aren't going to play. And I used to love the shell beds on the St. John's river, but they just got too much pressure. Now everybody knows about it. It's not like a hidey hole deal anymore. So, um, I like it cause it's just different. Um, where you, it's, you got your work cut out for you. And I mean, I might go down there and not catch a, cash a check, but it's just, it's going to be different. So it's, it's exciting. You get something different to plan for. How many times you been well, to Grand? What do you like about? I was, I was going to ask Patrick what you know when you come down here. Does Rodman suit your uh, your taste in, in April? You think? I mean, with your strength of the electronics and you know, like I said, the, the main river shell bar has been beat up. And we're thinking <laughs> the sanded timber out there. It kind of sets up a little bit like Fort with the sanded timber and the big bass. I do like Rodman. I do. Rodman is a uh, Rodman is a a mysterious place though. Because it is absolutely loaded with fish. You can go there and catch 60 in a day, and you can go there and catch two. Uh, it is still Florida. It it seems like it's uh, the cure-all. You know, you just feel like you go there and always catch them. But it's just, it, it is different. Um, no, I will practice in Rodman. I mean, I fished Rodman that one year, should have caught him. But it was weird. The pollen had actually dropped. I don't know if you've ever seen this before. Don't you, I can't receive any information, but I just want to point something out. It was one of the weirdest things I've ever seen um, fishing. Um, I, w- I don't know where I was at. I had a chance to win, though, um, two years ago, I think. And we were in Rodman. And uh, the pollen was on the surface for the first three days. Like, it had fallen in. But the day four, the we had a front come in and the pressure change was like a low pressure or something. And it sucked the pollen into the water. And so it was literally in the water column. Like it went like from top to bottom and you couldn't see 20 feet on forward facing zone. And the fish would not bite. It completely changed the clarity of it up mm-hmm. where it was, you know, it's just straight rich black water, like black coffee, it looked like creamer, you know, it was just like right. nasty looking and they just wouldn't bite. Mm-hmm. So it's just stuff like that. It's just, you think it would be there guaranteed always, but it's, it, uh, I'm I'm gonna spend probably seventy percent the river, thirty percent rodman looking. Um, the river's always gonna have them, and so you need a bailout no matter what. So it's uh, if you can find them in the river, you're better off. I don't like locking in general. Um, locking is just you're wasting time and you can get stuck. Um, it's just when you're gambling, you know, you try to take, you try to go with the best percentage of odds right. to succeed, and that lock right. cuts them in half right out of the get go. You know, <laughs> um, but I do like rodman a lot and i do like that river so it's uh i'll look at both of them but time will tell looking ahead to the schedule what stuff's got you excited for either league any any particular events you've already got circled or that you're more excited about than the others or it's just bring it i look at i look at one at a time um i have really hadn't started thinking about fishing too much yet um that's going to be probably about january one is when i like switch my mind back I told right. my wife I can't I can't get into duck hunting this year. If I start duck hunting, I'm gonna be I'll be out of it. So I'm gonna go on a couple of wood duck shoots. That's probably about it. But um, no, I don't. Uh, I look at them all and I kind of get a little excited about a couple of them. But I don't look at each tournament until it's that tournament's time. Um, I one at a time, one day at a time. That's like the both leagues thing does not bother me at all. Um, I just I'm gonna try to go catch them per that tournament. You know, it's just mm-hmm. what tournament's next. And I don't look at the league. I don't look at the guys who I'm fishing against. None of that. I'm just looking at the fish and. If I could beat myself every single day, I'm going to catch them. Um, that's how I look at it. I'm just competing against the fish. So it's just, what can I catch on that body of water each day? And so it's when the that tournament's next on the schedule, that's the one I start looking at. I don't look gotcha. at the one behind it. I don't get fired up. I've done that too many times now 
Um, I always love Sandy Cooper. I mean, that's my home pond, and that's where wow. I've done the worst. It's because I put too much hype on myself. I put too much pressure. I look at it long list. It's one I do the most research on. Where in all these other tournaments, I'll be like, I don't care about there. And then it's like five days to the tournament. I'm like, all right, I should probably start looking at it. And then I look at it, and I'm like, do you know, do some research, you know, do a lot of map study. And then I get there, and I just break it down where the fish are at then, um, at mm -hmm. that point in time. And that's when you catch them. You know, when you – I'm telling you, I've laid in my bed thinking about tournaments for six months out you know you dream about it and you wake up thinking about it and you just put too much pressure on yourself and so i just i tend not to do that anymore try to it's still hard to do but. i was gonna say i think i'd have to call a little bit of bs you've got to be you can't sit in a tree and not think about going to tulsa in march right that's how you thought about it oh boy. i promise you i i, I thought <laughs> i would have earned pre-practice uh, before uh we just were at where were we mpfl we were you follow oklahoma and after that that tournament i went to um i went to grand lake and rode around for two days um and i rode the entire like that's all i did i just rode looked at all the creeks um i didn't graph much i just looked at it and seen like what sections of it i like i only fished for like an hour and a half on the second day and uh i caught them pretty good in that hour and a half i was like wow okay this was better than i thought and then uh that's the only time i thought about it has not crossed my mind since i'll be sitting in deer stands, but i'm telling you i'm uh i have an addictive personality I get on one thing at a time and it's all bow hunting right now. And it's nothing but deer. And so it's like, when I get done with that, then I focus on, it. it's just, it, I don't know. It's extreme focus. It's, it's probably not good for my marriage, but, uh, it works out in whatever I'm, I feel bad for whatever I'm focused on. I like it. Uh, and it, it comes across man. And in the conversation and, and consistently uh, that, that hyper-focus is coming across. So obviously it works for you. And I, I, I assumed it would be easier to get spun out, but I think the way you're approaching, it's probably what keeps that from happening. It's, it's one day at a time, one event, one cast. Yep. All right. That's really, it is. I mean, that's all you got to worry about is your next cast. I don't worry about tomorrow, even in the tournament. I don't even worry about day three. Um, you know, you'll start, it's like, I just got to worry about today. Once you catch them really good, it's like, all right, I might start leaving some fish and you start planning ahead, but you have got to catch them. I promise you in the elite series and stuff, them guys are going to catch them. You can't mm -hmm. leave them fish biting. Um, if you leave them biting, I've seen it too many times. You're like, I'll save these fish tomorrow. They're gone. I mean, they're fish. They're going to move. They swim. They swim for a living. So it's like, you got to just worry about today, worry about what you could do to set yourself up. And then it's like tomorrow's tomorrow. We'll worry about there. I mean, don't even worry about making day four. It's just worry about today, catch what you can catch, and then take it to the scales and go from there. Yeah, I, we've, we've done a pretty good job of talking about uh, technique, talking about electronics, talking about the, you know, the physical side of the sport. Patrick, I'd like to shift gears for a second. Uh, I remember when the big MLS split happened, and a lot of the Elite Series guys just went and gone, and it created this – I compare it to a forest when you have a controlled burn and you've got this green new crop that grows up underneath it. And I talked to Mark Menendez at the first event that year. And he said, no, these guys, these new guys, the Lee Livesey's, the Patrick Walters, these are guys, the best fishermen whose names you don't know yet. You just hang in there. You're going to see it. And then y'all go and you do things like busting century club belts on small mouth and large mouth. Well, you know, your success is spoken for itself, but the thing that I noticed that grabbed me that first year was the camaraderie. It was almost like us against the world with you up and coming bass guys who, you know what I mean? were trying to make a name for yourself three or so years, four years into this deal. Uh, do you feel like there's that same sense of camaraderie? You got guys coming back to the tour that weren't there. Mm -hmm. Guys, maybe if you're leaving some of the older guys retiring, do y'all, do you feel a sense of, uh, 
you know, us against the world or camaraderie with your fellow elite series anglers? Absolutely. That's a tight knit group. I mean, no doubt. Yeah. That first year was, it was very tight knit, but like you said, we've had some changes. We've had some people leave, had some new people coming in. And so it, it, it dilutes it a little bit, but everybody has the same goal and the same pride. And it's the Bassmaster shield. You know, that's what we're there for. We're there to represent bass. Um, and no, it is still very tight knit group. There's, there's a lot of us, you know, that are probably tighter than everybody else because it's, we don't know a lot of the new people coming in. And so that's the thing. It's like, but once you get in there and you know, they're rookies, you kind of got to give them a little hard time. Sometimes, you know, you got to haze them a little bit and that's just mm -hmm. giving them a hard time, but no, it's a, it is that tight knit group of guys. And it's a, it, it's a family is what it is. I mean, it's good to have everybody there and everybody fishing for the same goal. You know, it's to support yourself, support your family and to, to wear that bass shield. Do you, uh, you think the NPFL can get something like that going? Is it, is it that same good, uh, you know what I mean? That, that the same kind of feeling at MPFL when you go over there with those guys, or I think so. I think they got the MPFL's got a lot of things going for them. I really do. Um, they mm -hmm. they are a tight knit organization, and they they care about all the anglers, and so does Bass. You know, both of them they want the best for their for their fishermen, and so that's what I really like about the MPFL as well. It's a it's a good organization. It's it's very well run, and they care about their anglers. And the anglers are it's a if somebody has a problem, everybody's there to help them. You know, we don't have a service trailer right now with, over there at MPFL. So it's like if somebody breaks down or something, they're there to help out. And so that's what I like. All the anglers are there. It's it's not cutthroat. I mean, listen, it's it's fishing. I mean, you you, you still got to be an upstanding individual. You know, if somebody has a problem, you don't leave them. You don't step over somebody to help yourself succeed. And that's the biggest thing. You'd never do that. I mean, it's just – and that's what both tours do. It's just they're always there to help out. I mean, it's the same thing with Trent at uh, Saginaw Bay this year. I'd have won another tournament. He beat me by an ounce, but he broke down out there at Saginaw on day three. And uh, it was me and him first and second. And we beat third by 10 pounds. So it was me and him only. And uh, he broke down and I, I brought him in. I, I took 45 minutes out of my day. I lost 45 minutes out of my day of fishing to bring him in. But that you don't even think twice about that. That's just something, that's what you do in fishing. That's what it's, that's what we're there for. I mean, cause if that was me in his situation, you'd expect the same. And then he beat me by an ounce. <laughs> so that's how that goes. <laughs> no good deed goes unpunished. That's one of my favorite. Models, yeah, right. so. <laughs> Absolutely. It doesn't. Exactly. Speaking of that and talking about travel and stuff, uh, keeping a busy schedule, do you have some guys that, that you travel with and, and can kind of rely on in that regard? Or are you, kind of isolated one man island out there on in that uh, regard in terms of the first for the first three years i was camping it was pretty isolated you know just i would just i like the camping deal i do um but when i started fishing two tours more um it was kind of hard to keep up with the camper and then travel and do all that stuff so i sold the camper and now for the elite series i travel uh justin hamner he's probably my main travel partner and also uh brandon cobb shane lehue and clinton davis that's our house so it's five of us in the house so we got to usually get a big house um, we do eat good. I know that. So it's uh, us five traveling on the Elite Series, and we all break a body of water down pretty good. Um, you know, Cobb, he's a great angler. Shane Lee Hughes, an amazing angler. Clint Davis. And so it's we all kind of share our stuff a little bit. Um, and then on the MPFL, this last year, it was uh, me, Trent Palmer, and Mike Corbishley. Um, and us three, we, we, did, we all did pretty good in each of the tournaments. So we'd all kind of share our stuff. And next year, the MPFL is definitely growing. So I think our house is going to grow a little bit too. I know Drew Cook's going to come over there, fish with us. He's probably going to travel with us. Old Justin Kimmel, he's coming back. So uh, we're going to have a full house next year on both sides. A lot of knowledge around that dinner table in the evening then. 
Yes. And a couple of guys that know how to catch some bass. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm hearing. I'm thinking, man, you're, you're in good company. So that's good. You know, and, and now was college part of your coming up was college fishing. I can't remember where you fell on that spectrum. Was that part of what you did too? Some of these guys yes, like Justin, I know is a college fisherman. Oh yeah. I fished, um, at the university of South Carolina and I owe a good bit to college fishing. I really do. You know, I fished the uh, Bassmaster college circuit. I fished FLW and, uh, it, I thought in high school, you know, best advice I ever got was like, it was advice to kind of like, you're not ready yet. Um, and you, uh -huh. when you get that at the time, you're like, I'm ready. I can catch them. You know, it's, but you can't be cocky in fishing because you're going to get humbled quicker than you could ever imagine. And so, uh, at a high school, I wanted to go straight to fish professionally. That's what I wanted to do. I thought I was ready, you know, cause I could catch them around the house. I thought, and, uh, my mom's like, I want you to get a college degree. And I was like, okay, you know, and I talked to a buddy of mine who fishes around here locally too. And he's like, man, I'm telling you, he's like, I, I do the college route, you know, just don't jump into it. You know, don't go until you're ready. Um, and I was like, man, I thought I was ready, but then I fished college fishing. I had some decent success there, but it was, I was traveling. I learned a lot from college because we were traveling around the country, fishing multi-day tournaments and we didn't have to pay for entry fees. There was no entry fees. So I was at a much right. cheaper cost. We basically had to just pay for travel. I mean, we've been to Wisconsin, we've been to Minnesota, um, we would go to New York, we've been to Texas, been to Oklahoma, we go to Florida every year, we've been to Alabama. So I learned to fish all these different bodies of water at a much cheaper cost and, you know, learned how to fish multi-day tournaments where, you know, growing up, we'd have fish a single day tournaments, you know, your club tournaments, right. your fishers of men. That's where, you know, we all started basically. And then it's like college really helped me learning how to travel, learning how to prepare, learning how to prep, learning how to practice for three days, learning. And so I'd say college fishing helped me a tremendous amount. Yeah, and that's it, consistent. I got a lot of contacts. Right. That, that's consistent with what we found from other people, too. It, it kind of helps get you ingrained in the lifestyle to, at a little bit lesser expense. And I guess for and for some guys, it gives them a chance to find out that it's not what they thought, right? Before they absolutely before they mortgage the house and and do everything else, they 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 can get out and taste it a little bit. Really, I mean, it really does because it's yeah. Because if you go fish professionally, I mean, it's a lot of money, a lot of upfront money, and it's just it, it takes a lot, and you don't even know if you're ready for that travel. So, like you said, the college fishing really does help with that, and you meet a lot of contacts. And if you don't want to fish professionally, it gets you the, you know you get to learn the industry mm -hmm. and a lot of people who didn't fish professionally in college fishing work in the fishing industry today. So they still used it. Yeah. Exactly. So that, that's me. I mean, I fished, you know, college wasn't what it was whenever I fished in college that there wasn't a path that was available to your generation and so much as what it is now, but it did lead to opportunities and it, it gave me the bug, you know, whether it was boats, motors or podcasts and, and anglers channel, it just being in the space and that, that definitely something I attribute college to there. Vance, what else you got for Patrick? He's got does to manage this afternoon. I was wondering why we were bumping the time around, and I thought he might be hunting. If we do it at ten, he can get an afternoon. <laughs> yeah, in. exactly. I like that. Like that Matthews hat on there. I mean, you, so when you go hunting, you like to kick it back as old school as possible. You use a stick and string, right? Is that you? You consider yourself a bow hunter? Is that it? Half and half. I'm a killer. Is what I do. I don't care <laughs> what it is. I'll shoot them with a the water. I'll shoot them with a rifle. Um, I do love bow hunting. It's a passion of mine. Um, yeah. it, it, cause it's different. Um, I love how much more you can critique bow hunting. You know, it's harder. Um, I love hanging and hunting. That's probably one of my favorite things to do is go into a new area. You know, you scout it out, you go find the fresh sign and I, I, you go hang and you, you go, you set your stand up, then hunt and then bring your stand down with you. And that's why I love bow hunting. But, uh, 
I'm about shooting a rifle. I grew up shooting a rifle. So it's like, I'm not prejudiced either way. If uh, a deer needs to get, if he won't come within a hundred yards, I'm going to crack him. I mean, so it's, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm both. Uh, I'm just an outdoorsman in general. That's what I like doing. Um, I don't have a preference. I, I do love bow hunting because it's harder. And, uh, that's something I can get more like, like I said, I can, I can focus on that. You know, I play with mm-hmm. my arrows. You can build your arrows. You, you mess with your bow. There's so much more tuning and, uh, mm-hmm. that is a rabbit hole. I mean, golly, mm-hmm. you wait till you start building arrows and you talk yeah. about FOC and all that stuff. And you're just like, that's a rabbit hole. And then we're in rifles. Like, yeah, I just slided that baby in. And I'm gonna go crack it. <laughs> you know? So it's, uh, I do. I like both of them. That's cool. Well, your passion for the outdoors has come across strong, man. I'm super excited. We got to catch up with you to wrap the year up. We won't keep you any longer today. Vance and I got to do some housekeeping and some wrap up stuff here, but uh, folks, if they want to check you out, follow you along, you want to give us your social handles, website, some of that stuff, Patrick, maybe yep, pick up Patrick a Walters Fishing. Yep. Instagram, right. Facebook, and my website, Patrick Walters Fishing. Um, that's where I'll be in YouTube. Um, I actually started a YouTube channel a while ago, but I just did two videos for the last um, Northern Swing at the Bassmaster Elite Series, Champlain and St. Lawrence. And uh, next year, we're actually, I'm going to, I'm going to take the time and I'm going to divulge into the YouTube. We're going to, I got a guy traveling with me. Um, and so we're going to, we're going to step up the YouTube channel a little bit. So we'll see. Well, did you oh, you go cool Scott school? Martin on us. I don't know if I'm going to go hard on Scott. I don't know if I'm going to go that hard up, but uh, no, we're yeah. going we're gonna to step it up. Scott's got a great thing going. So uh, yeah, I'm going to go uh, a little less than that. <laughs> well, dude, you got the fishing and the content and the energy to bring it. So I will definitely be a subscriber. We'll encourage our fans here at Angler's Channel to do the same. And thank you for your time, man. Go hey. whack one. Absolutely. I'm going to try. I'll send you all a picture. Thank you guys for having me. I uh, look forward to talking to y'all again. Y'all take care. You too. Thanks, Patrick. We appreciate it. Yeah, At Mercury, there are no limits to the lengths we'll go to make sure you have no limits either. Unlimited adrenaline. Unlimited fun. Unlimited weekend. Except maybe having to go home eventually. Introducing the all-new V8 Mercury Pro XS. Light, quick, efficient. Mercury, go boldly. Leaders in innovation and anglers at heart. Lose is founded on a rich heritage of building the best. 70 years of cutting-edge innovation with one goal in mind. To answer the call of passionate anglers who demand reliability, durability, and tournament Delivering the best for you to perform at your best on and off the water. This segment is brought to you by Strike King. Get out there and tie one on. Welcome back. That was an awesome interview, Vance. Man, Patrick has got some energy for this bass fishing, doesn't he? Yeah. Well, the outdoors in general, as we learned, and I think that carries over to the to the fishing side very well. Uh translates to both the hunting and the fishing. Yeah, it's just I, I learned learned a lot talking to him there. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I know you can tell that the depth of knowledge is there, and you know, digging around a little bit on the electronics. I thought that was interesting. You know, it was consistent with what we've heard before, as far as the you know what the guys like to use for that true scoping, how important Humminbird three hundred and sixty is in that process. You know, and then and we've heard a lot too about Lawrence waypoint management. So uh, the stuff he was talking about there was consistent. One thing I've been given some consideration to is the harness stuff. 
you know, I did all my own wiring on my boat and I ran uh, eight and 10 gauge, I believe, you know, not, not in the harness sense, but direct wire to everything. And I've often wondered how, how big of a difference that makes. I mean, you're seeing everybody go with the harnesses and the full system. And, and Patrick seemed to think that, you know, the having the right setup starts at the batteries and works its way forward with all components, you know, and obviously the man knows a thing or two about his electronics. Yeah. Yeah. He kind of broke that thing wide open back in uh, 2020 with the win on Lake Fort doing it that way. And we got to watch him on Bassmaster Live uh, mm -hmm. a tough time of year. Fishery wasn't, wasn't cooperating very well. Won by 29 pounds and 10 ounces, like the biggest margin of victory ever in a Bassmaster tournament. Broke the century belt in, in fall and, and uh, you know, autumn. If that didn't speak loud and clear about the power of what was coming down the pipe with these electronics, you know what I mean? That that sort of ushered mm -hmm. in, in my mind, the new era of the electronics we have now. I will can always look at that tournament as being the one that opened my eyes to the power of it. And Patrick was the guy that did it. So, who better to talk to about, you know, how to dial in those electronics than, than a guy like that? Mm -hmm. Now, I, I appreciated the energy. I mean, and, you know, hyper-focused on task at hand, it sounds like. You know, to your point, when we were talking about the hunting aspect, he's like, dude, I'm in hunting mode. I'm not in fishing mode. I'll do that later. And, you know, I guess mm -hmm. when you're juggling things like that, I mean, you know, strategically, it's the best way to do it, right? Be all in on whatever you're doing at the moment that you're doing it. And uh, he seems to have that mastered. Uh, the thought of tutors and uh all those things man that that's really impressive what, what he accomplished is really impressive two victories over yep. on the mpfl elite series victory century belt you know the list goes on and on and and genuinely excited about fishing that was good i like that mm -hmm. and like you say that the key to that is that hyper focus on what am i doing now so kind of like yeah you know ask me if there's any tournaments he's excited about and he, it's kind of like, well, the next one, you know, the next one, where's the next one? That's, that's it. That's what I'm most excited about is what's, what's right in front of me. And, uh, yeah, he takes it kind of like a, a coach for take a football season. You don't want to look over, over this one opponent that you think you're going to beat and, and get to the big game after it. You, you gotta, you gotta focus on this next one. And he's got that hyper focus. And I guess that's how you juggle so many, uh, you know, different venues on, on your schedule in one year. Yeah, I think that's one thing that surprised me doing the podcasts when I think about it. Because there's been several times that I've asked some questions that I thought for sure, you know, like when we talked about the classic, I thought for sure if I was sitting on a tree, you know, hell, I'm sitting in trees and thinking about the classic and I'm not even in it, you know. Mm -hmm. and, and 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 to your point, I've asked that question, a similar style of question several times to some of these young guys expected to hear about you know, excitement for this or intimidation by that. And, and dude, they're just steady Eddie, man. They're not rattled. And Patrick hit on something about at the end of his interview, talking about wanting to go straight into professional fishing and the, but he ended up using college because he wasn't quite ready. And that's a reoccurring theme that I hear on these podcasts, talking with these young guys that, you know, they know when it's their time and man, they come out confident and it makes a huge difference. Yeah, that's just good to have that that there, and you've been there through, through uh, that whole evolution of college fishing becoming what it is now from a fun little club sport, and it almost sometimes feels like maybe a minor league farm system for the mm -hmm. upper levels, you know, or, or uh, like Patrick said, a place where a guy can sort of weed himself out, say, this isn't what I want to do, but I do like this industry. I do want to get a major that's going to help me in this industry and then be and live in the fishing industry. Yep. Well, the fishing industry is getting ready to go to sleep for a few days, in my experience. 
uh, heading into Christmas, everybody's trying to wrap everything up and get checked out for a minute. And we're going to be doing the same. We're going to take a little holiday hiatus. Got any big plans for Christmas? Man, we're just going to, you know, hang here with the family and uh, go see the mother-in-law, my mom and dad and the grandkids and, uh, you know, have a good time and eat well and enjoy the fellowship. We, we're not we're not leaving home. All, all yeah. my roots are here, you know, so we, we're looking forward to that. I uh, totally understand that. We actually started some of our holiday travels. We've got family scattered about the Midwest, you know, and we did some holiday travel on Saturday, went and saw some family. And then uh, I might've had one too many Christmas cheers last night. As a matter of fact, I'm a little slow this morning, but uh, <laughs> good to see family. Good to catch up. And, you know, that's kind of what I want to leave our listeners with. It's been a pleasure working on this with you this year. And I want to say thanks to everybody that tunes in and listens to us talk fishing and uh, not sure the exact date of when we'll return. I didn't pull that up on the calendar in front of me, but we'll be back at it after the first of the year doing our Tuesday regular uh, every other Tuesday broadcast. And we have fishing stuff right around the seat corner starting in February. We'll have some event coverage and then uh, looking forward to next year too, because of our partnership with Ricky Bosford and Bass 365. We're going to have a lot of live coverage for folks next year. And uh, I think that'll be exciting. Uh, I love having Ricky on yeah. the ground and, and getting some of that stuff as it unfolds, you know, some of the shots from the dock sure. and uh, blasts off and kind of like uh, kind of help scratch that itch of being there. So Angler's Channel will be on the scene in 2024. And on behalf of our team, we want to wish everyone a safe and happy holiday. Hope you enjoy your time with your family and get a little bit of time off. And I think that's about all I've got, Vance. Happy holidays, my man. TN4. Or back to you, Danny, and uh, to all our listeners. All Have right, man. Well, yep. Happy holidays, all. We'll see you next year. Thanks for listening to this week's Angler's Channel Insider Podcast, presented by Sportsman's Warehouse. Also brought to you in part by Pro Charging Systems, makers of the Dual Pro Chargers, TH Marine, Trick Step, Toyota Bonus Bucks, Costa Conserve and Compete, and of course, anglerschannel.com, your number one tournament bass fishing resource.